0: Hello, and welcome to One Week, One Year, a podcast where we watch and discuss a year of film history every week, starting from 1895. And this week, we're talking about 1900.
1: 1900. <laughs> I, I shouldn't do the voice yet.
0: The, oh, yeah, yeah, save that for later. Um, <laughs> the turn of the century. Uh, so exciting. I
1: We've come so far.
0: Yeah, like, literally, I have had such a hard time typing in the the, se- the second two digits when so like you know what I'm talking about like or not the second two I guess the first two because like I'm so used to typing like 1995 or whatever that like when mm-hmm. I type 1895 I, I just mess it up all the time you're
1: always you're always looking up 1995
0: though <laughs> I love 1995 but we'll get to that in a hundred episodes. Um, <laughs> uh, I am one of your hosts, Chris Ellie, I'm a film projectionist, and this is...
1: I'm Glenn Covell, the other host, I'm a filmmaker, and and just general film nerd.
0: Yes, as we both are. Uh, and yeah, it's exciting. It's, uh, what, six, six episodes in, and uh, into the 20th century, Fox. Not yet. Hmm. Um, Well, uh, so as I've said, this is a film podcast, but we like to, it's also sort of a history podcast, so we like to kind of get a little bit of the context of what's happening. So we are going to hear about the news from the turn of the century, 1900. Glenn, would you read us the news?
2: The news of the year, 1900. The U.S. census is conducted at the turn of the century. The results? 70 million people in America... Puccini's opera, Tosca, premieres in Rome. The Boxer Rebellion rages on. 20,000 boxers gather in Peking and kill hundreds of European colonizers. The British Labour Party is established. The United States adopts the gold standard backing its currency. In Paris, the Second Olympic Games commence. The Wonderful Wizard of Oz is published. Sergeant William Harvey Carney becomes the first black man to be awarded the Medal of Honor. Temperance meets temper. Carry Nation begins her crusade to demolish saloons. The first Zeppelin takes off in Germany. Subways are opening in London, Paris, and New York City. French automobile tire company Michelin releases a guide to high cuisine. The Lumiere Brothers premiere their new Lumiere wide film format, the widest in the history of film at 75 millimeters.
0: Thank you, Glenn, for that news report.
1: Got a a nice nerdy one in at the end there.
0: Yeah, yeah, I we we got some film history we got some you know that's that's the whole idea right uh, Yeah. anyway some films came out this year some big ones and some long ones oh yeah um
1: some some very big ones yeah well i guess some <laughs> big for the time i wouldn't necessarily say they're big in the they're, in the overall history they're of film, big in but... the
0: sense that back when youtube wouldn't let you upload anything above 10 minutes it wouldn't fit on youtube
1: that's a good point. So, that is, I, I hadn't thought of it that way. <laughs>
0: <laughs> because it's just barely more than 10 minutes. That's right. We're yeah. talking about Joan of Arc. I don't know if we want to get to that one first, but we could.
1: We might as well.
0: Let's do it. It's yeah. uh, a Georges Méliès movie. He's following up Cinderella of last year with another kind of long format storytelling picture. Uh, yeah. This time about French national hero Joan of Arc.
1: Uh it's a proper epic.
0: Yeah, yeah. It it's like telling a story unlike a lot of movies of this time.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's even though the first scene is lost, it's I think the remaining scenes are about 10 minutes, but it would have been well over 10 minutes originally. Really? Yeah. Um there was originally a a scene at the beginning where um Joan of Arc shows up sort of leading a a herd of sheep or goats, kind of foreshadowing her leading the army later. Right, right. Hmm. Um, Which is, it's too bad that that scene uh, is lost because that would have, that would have been a pretty good way to open the movie.
2: Hmm.
0: Yeah, as of now, it kind of ends with her uh, getting visited by the angels and uh, getting her quest. I, I feel like I, mm-hmm. I I need to do a little Joan of Arc research when I watch this, because I don't really know the story that well, you know? Mm.
1: Um. um I mean, it, it, it hits all of the kind of, the main beats. There are some, a couple scenes in there I had to look up additional context for. Um. But they, they're pretty straightforward. Yeah. They're like a parade scene, a battle scene, uh. Joan of Arc out in the woods, seeing seeing angels. <laughs> her her family telling her she can't go off to war, and her doing it anyway.
0: Yeah, yeah. I feel like I'm learning a lot about like French culture with with this and the Dreyfus affair. Just kind of uh, uh, historical French goings on. Uh, yeah, the French are the real the real MVPs of the early film era.
1: Oh uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, no one no one can hold a candle to what's going on in france ah the french at this time (laughs) ah the french orson wills reference um (laughs) what else have i got to say about this a lot i feel like
0: yeah i mean it's it's a beautiful movie uh this is in color um and it's the first melier's like kind of long format movie to be all in color Mm -hmm. uh hand color we should say yes um Which is a lot of work uh, for 10 plus (laughs) minutes. Yeah. Um,
1: Wasn't, Cinderella wasn't entirely in color. I guess there were only certain scenes that that were hand colored.
0: Yeah. 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 But yeah, the backgrounds and the colors are just like beautiful in this movie. Yeah. Beautiful.
1: It's definitely kind of, um, I mean, last year both Cinderella and the Dreyfus Affair were pretty like big and lavish productions, but this, I feel like kind of if not blows them out of the water, it at least ups the game a bit.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's interesting because, like, f- uh, formally speaking, um, there isn't too much different to me about this than the Dreyfus Affair or Cinderella um, or the uh, Lumiere Jesus movie. or mm-hmm. the, Because, like, it is a set of... Minute or so long tableaus that are stitched together um and uh it, it, except that like this feels more cohesive it feels more like i mean it is like literally one piece rather than one the, than those other ones which were able to be broken up into chunks mm-hmm. um but uh there we'll, we'll we'll talk later about people who are doing kind of more interesting stuff with cutting, like using the cutting to tell stories within a scene rather than just having a bunch of scenes that you put together. hmm
1: yeah. Um, another thing that kind of stuck out to me about this one is that there's not really any, like, effects shots. There's no, like... Or there, there's a couple, um, like, double exposure things with the the angels appearing. Yeah. But compared to much most of Meliers' other films. It's it's pretty it's pretty light on the effects. It's mostly about kind of like the the big sets and the 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 big groups of actors on screen.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's not showy. Um it does have well, a bit of a serious tone.
1: It, I feel like it's it is showy but not in the way that I'm used to seeing from a George Meliers movie.
0: Right. Yeah, Meliers likes to ham it up definitely yeah
1: there's no yeah there's no like dancing clocks there's no like uh like lightning like there's a couple times where joan of arc will kind of look up into the sky and we'll see uh an an angel appear and that's that's i think pretty much it
0: yeah for effects you mean i mean Mm -hmm. I, i guess the you could sort of consider it to be an effect with the fire at the end which is like they made a bunch of smoke come up and then hand colored it to mm. be red um yeah. or orange which which looks good it sells it sells it definitely um i thought that was kind of neat
1: <laughs> yeah i feel like most of the effects are kind of like stage effects as opposed to like film effects like there's not a lot of you know there's no substitution splices there's no yeah um Nothing like that.
0: I guess because this is, you know, a fairly historical film rather than Cinderella, Mm -hmm. which is still trying to be fantastical and fairy tale like. And so it's got all of those funky Melies effects. He has he has an excuse to use all of that. Yeah. It's Um, it's interesting, though, because like it's hard for me to imagine the guy who makes these silly one minute trick films. Also, being a serious person like ever, you know <laughs> <laughs> he's just such a goofy guy, I don't
1: get it yeah, That's his his magicianness is is showing <laughs> um, yeah, this is definitely pretty like I'm more serious feeling uh story than his other stuff, yeah, yeah it, f- it feels very kind of um,
0: this in the Dreyfus affair
1: yeah, it feels very kind of dignified. I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was reading up on it, and the there's a scene with the kind of the big parade of all the people on horses going through the the town. Um, sort of right after Joan of Arc, uh, joins the the French army. hmm Um, and it, it's pretty impressive just how many actors appear on screen in that one. And yeah, part of how they did that was they had. <laughs> them you know people in the parade would cross frame and once they were off camera they would run around the set to the start again and cross again to make it seem like there's this huge long parade going through um yeah that was that think. was a
0: that was a long scene uh and, it is yeah uh i guess i guess uh it's meant to just show how how much she's appreciated uh mm-hmm. but like boy does that that seems like two minutes of parade
1: yeah, <laughs> which I've noticed, even other, outside, like in other people's films from like around the same time, there's a lot of parades and a lot of like crowds. That's true. They,
0: yeah, and like moving things like that. Yeah. yeah,
1: I feel like parades are a big a big draw in in the turn of the century films.
0: I suppose so. Yeah there was a there was an Edison movie called Automobiles on Parade, uh, which was just like two and a half minutes of just cars going around a corner just over and over (laughs) again. (laughs) And it was neat. Maybe for car people it would be neat, but I was like, I get it. Yeah,
1: Yeah, there's certainly a lot of, um, a lot of the actualities I watched from this year. I feel like actualities have some started to kind of lose their luster a bit, at least for me. I'm sort of Mm. like, all right, we get it. You, you, you filmed a bunch of cars.
0: You know, I was thinking, I mean, I, 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 like, actualities are probably some of the most historically interesting stuff that is happening in this early film era, right? Yeah. Like, I feel like if I were doing this project in a different mode, watching tons and tons of actualities would be really interesting. But mm-hmm. because I'm looking at this from, like, a filmmaking perspective, I'm just like, boring, you know? <laughs> Uh, I was reading about actualities, and apparently they start uh, within five or six years from now. They start kind of falling out of vogue, um, mm-hmm. and even the Lumieres stop stop doing actualities. So yeah, so we've only got a bit more of it, and they are <laughs> they are neat. Some of them are some of them are really interesting, just kind of anthropologically speaking and sociologically speaking.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, maybe we'll we'll get to. I think there were a few that I watched. Uh, for this episode that were kind of uh anthrop- anthropologically interesting. Yeah. Is that am I using the word correctly? I suppose so. Um I guess another Melies movie that is not an actuality and is is sort of him being silly mm-hmm. is uh The One Man Band.
0: Yeah. Oof. so cool.
1: Yeah. Which I I don't know if it's the most it's another uh film of George Melies like copying himself using double exposure, or in this case, a lot more than double exposure. Um, I think right. it's the most the most he's done, which is seven, which is pretty insane considering like how that effect is achieved, which is filming something, taking the film out, rewinding it, and then filming again over the same film stock.
0: Is that, is doing, that specifically how it's done?
1: Yeah. Hmm. Um. So he had to do that seven times. Yeah, and uh, I think I I, I read somewhere um, it was by Wikipedia, but it was sourced um, that uh, the film would break, or the the um, you know, like the the sprocket holes would would tear while he was trying to do it because he was running the film through the camera so many times. And oh so wow! It, it took a couple tries to get all seven exposures in one go.
0: Oh wow, that's crazy! Jeez, yeah. Th- this this these effects that he's doing are really impressive. I mean, uh, I'm just I'm just like looking at it right now again, and um, yeah. So it's 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 more cloning, but like the the thing with this one is that there's a lot of stuff that's happening in sync. Um, mm-hmm. Where like with the four troublesome heads, there was just kind of things happening, like just the chaos. heads. It was just chaos, yeah. But in this one, like he, they must have had some kind of uh, timer on set or something because uh, the 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 heads, uh, the the or not the heads, the 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 men. He kind of like yeah pulls himself out of himself and clones himself over and over again, and. Uh, and then they all have different instruments which is kind of neat like as they come out of the separate one they have a different instrument um and then in in relative synchronicity they start playing and they stop playing together and uh it's just really yeah it's it's re- it's a really good performance really impressive performance
1: mhm yeah the the amount of like coordination that it must have taken to to get all of that to get each, each of them individually so that they all sync up and not, you know, it's not like he can, like, go back later and adjust. Right. Like, he has to do each one perfectly.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, like, s- stuff like this, his his really ambitious effects films, and stuff like Joan of Arc, his really ambitious narrative films, it makes me, like, when I, when I look at his just simple trick films that could have existed four, three, four years ago... I'm like, mm. well, like, why are you still doing this, you know? <laughs> yeah. Which um, is,
1: it's nuts that, like, he's even committing the amount of time that he's he is, like, to doing all of these things, because, like... Oh, yeah, uh, he went hard. Yeah. I'm thinking, like, Joan of Arc, each scene has, like, a this enormous, like, a huge painted backdrop and, like, multiple kind of levels. You know, like, each one has a, a pretty elaborate set. Yeah. Um... And it's like, I don't know, it's, I'm just like, there's a lot of, there's clearly a lot of work went into each of these, and he's still doing a bunch of kind of silly trick movies in between.
0: Yeah. Um, um, a couple of the trick, a tr- a trick movies that came out this year, I mean, there were a lot of them, but a few of them st- stood out to me, I think. Um, one was yeah. probably The Doctor and the Monkey.
1: Oh, the doctor and the monkey. Yeah, yeah that that is a, a fun one. Um, um, I guess we have to describe it, huh?
0: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but isn't it fun to describe it? This one's fun to describe.
1: <laughs> it, this one is fun to describe. It's I guess it, it's like a a, a two story set, kind of like a like a cutaway from uh, from a house. Yeah, a cutaway view of a house with two stories.
0: First time we've seen anything like that.
1: Yeah, there's been kind of room scenes and, like, some kind of... Yeah, I I don't think we've ever seen a set quite like this. Yeah,
0: it's like a fictive camera with that's like a cutaway of a house that should not exist in real life. I mean, it's not really even trying to be this way. It's really just trying to depict two floors at the same time. But, like, it is... uh, you know, demolishing a third wall or fourth wall of sorts. Hmm.
1: Um, that's not the only thing it's demolishing.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, how would
1: you describe the plot of this movie?
0: Okay. Well, there's a scientist, uh, who has a monkey in a cage and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, the, it's a monkey that is made out of a human in a monkey suit. A la 2001. Um, and the monkey breaks out of the cage while the doctor's back is turned, and he just wreaks havoc. He uh, <laughs> <laughs> he jumps around and does monkey things in in a human interpretation of monkey things, and he climbs up the stairs and to the second floor and starts bashing on the ground of the second floor, and then breaks the ceiling, and then like, does a flip through the ceiling, and. Uh, and lands on the ground and and then harasses the doctor some more. <laughs> I think it's the plot of the movie.
1: Yeah, uh, it's it's a definite precursor to um, uh, Rise of the Planet of the Apes.
0: <laughs> yeah, this is yes. That was that was Caesar right there. Actually, yeah.
1: Um, I also saw this is I I saw this and I thought it was a bit of a stretch, but I think it was a funny comparison that it is. It could be seen as a precursor to the original Donkey Kong because of the sort of multi oh. the multi leveled <laughs> set and it's a it's it's a it's an ape wreaking havoc. There's no yeah. plumber in it, but um, oh, if
0: only. That would be amazing. Yeah. Oh, the other other thing I forgot to mention about what happens in the movie is that the monkey keeps just pulling people's pants off. That's kind of the way that it (laughs) is causing shenanigans, is that it's, like, insistently pulling off the pants of the doctor and his wife.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Classic. Classic monkey hijinks.
0: Yeah. I think that, like, a lot of these early, like, comedy movies are a normal situation, and then some scamp causes shenanigans there's, and there's a lot of that and like a monkey is probably the ultimate shenanigan causing scamp mm, uh so yeah. it fits <laughs> um another sort of trick film that i think was uh notable of this year uh or not notable but like i thought was pretty pretty good um was going to bed under difficulties <laughs> uh which <laughs> great title yeah <laughs> Which is, the whole movie is this guy who is trying to get, he walks into his bedroom, he's trying to get to bed, and then he just, he starts taking his clothes off, but then his clothes start magically appearing back onto him. Except that, like, they're not disappearing, like, more clothes, I guess, are 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 getting are appearing on him. So he takes off his pants, and then, like, a hat is added. And he takes off the hat, and the pants... And, and, like, new pants are on him. And then a coat, too. And he takes off the coat. And it's a gag that a lot of people started using this year. There are a lot of magical clothes-appearing <laughs> movies this year for some reason. Um, but I like the this hot, one hot the best. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I like this one the best because... Um it's not just like the clothes are playing a trick and they're like reappearing or whatever. It's just like more and more clothes. So as the film goes on, the room is just filling up with piles <laughs> of clothes and it's it's a it's really funny.
1: That um, is really the that that is what sets it apart from the other like trying to take your clothes off but they keep reappearing films. Mhm. Yeah. <laughs> that that classic subgenre. Um this is the only one that I saw where the the clothes stay once they're off. And so they just keep piling up. Yeah. And yeah, by the the end of it, a lot (laughs) by the end of it, it is just like a room filled with discarded clothes (laughs) and this guy still isn't in bed.
0: Yeah. And like, I think this is the, this one has a lot of good, um, like the kind of like harried and overwhelmed, uh, stuff that you would see in, uh, in like, some Buster Keaton style, uh, silent comedy, like silent physical comedy. It's got, it's got a lot of good physical comedy in it where the guy's just like, Oh my God. uh, uh, uh," Like where are all these clothes coming from? (laughs) Jesus Christ. You know?
1: (laughs) Yeah. I, I, another one I enjoyed was a fantastical meal.
0: Yeah. I I, yeah, I put that one down too. (laughs) Yeah.
1: There's just like, um, one of the trick films that is just, throwing everything at the wall kind of um (laughs) i think there are a lot of a lot of them that meliase is doing that uh are kind of reusing a lot of the same old gags and kind of ideas whereas fantastical meal is just just abject (laughs) craziness it kind of (laughs) it kind of felt like a looney tunes cartoon it was very zany yeah yeah it's very zany it's very kind of slapsticky there's a at one point a goblin shows up that looks kind of like yoda and does a dance yeah, and um,
0: this is another in the genre of somebody's trying to do something, but weird stuff is happening that's preventing them <laughs> from doing the thing. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's not a dream. That is a, that is a, a different subgenre, right? Um, it is just uh, people trying to sit sit down at a restaurant and eat a meal, but the the table the table keeps moving or like going into the floor. <laughs>
0: Or, like, getting super tall, and then they have to, like, <laughs> yeah. climb up onto the chairs to reach the table. <laughs> um, uh, th- yeah, just, this one had a mark against stuff. it for me, because uh, it had disappearing chairs, and I'm sick of that gag. Yeah. Um, but everything else was really good. There was, like There were a lot of really good, like, like giant props. Like, there's a huge turkey and, like, a big ol', like big old like fork and everything that they were using <laughs> to eat it it was very cartoony
1: yeah um that was definitely a good one there was one that i think is maybe partially lost called the christmas dream partially um, lost
0: it seemed fairly complete to me
1: i i don't know i i forget if that is something that i read or if it just seemed seemed like it ended abruptly um it's but, a lot uh, of it's a
0: lot of vignettes I would yeah. say. Um, I mean, actually I think, I think it is complete because it's some kids going to sleep and then it's a bunch of like on Christmas night and it, it, it does a dissolve to their dreams, which is another kind of advance at this time. There's another George Albert Smith movie that did a dissolve into the dreamland, uh, mm. which was noticed as, uh, as, as no- notable. Uh, but, uh, and then it's it's just a bunch of kind of Christmassy vignettes for um, uh, for like three minutes, um, which I thought were like really well done scenes, really dense and kind of, but also readable. Um, mm-hmm. And um, and so it just goes from vignette vin- to vignette, and then they wake up, and then it's Christmas morning, and they get presents. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's right. Yeah. I, I I don't know. I forget where I I had come to that conclusion that it was partially lost but it's in my notes um with question mark though uh yeah i mean i definitely don't think i I fully like understood what each of the vignettes were supposed to be always but they were always very kind of elaborate and cool to look at yeah um uh that is what was i gonna say oh the um the dissolve into a dream thing I think it's kinda of funny because that is such a kind of established almost expected Yeah. It's like a it's
0: like
1: a Yeah. It's kind of a cliche now where it's like to show that someone is having a dream you have to like do this like dissolve into it. Yeah. Um and it's it's and funny just to see that's another thing that was like right away. They were like this, this is, is the how year we that show it was dreams.
0: Yeah, this is the year that it was co invented. I guess it it's interesting that like that is just the way that it makes sense for that to work, you know? Yeah. But it does sort of evoke the kind of falling asleep and, like, slowly losing grip on reality as Mm -hmm. you go into dreams uh, aspect. Um, Um,
1: Joan of Arc used a couple dissolves also, not really for that effect, but just kind of to dissolve between scenes.
0: Yeah, I mean, Cinderella did too. Yeah. Um, Um,
1: But it's kind of becoming, I guess dissolves are becoming a more widely used... Effect.
0: Yeah, and maybe more motivated, like more specific in their mm. usage.
1: Right, because the, the dream thing kind of seems motivated, at least to from modern eyes.
0: Yeah. I mean, unless you have anything else to say about uh, Melies, uh, we could talk about George Albert Smith's dream movie.
1: Oh, right, um, yeah. Um, he had... Well, this has like kind of... It's not quite... Uh, dissolve it's like uh yeah it's focus
0: i don't know if he i don't know if he intended i I don't think george albert smith has done a dissolve before and so Mm. this may be like a sort of hacky attempt at one
1: (laughs) yeah but it actually kind of feels even more like the modern kind of uh conception of like the dream transition
0: right right because instead of simply
1: dissolving it's like uh, defocusing the lens, so it, everything becomes really soft and and uh, out of focus, and that kind yeah. of lends itself even more to a kind of dreamy feeling.
0: Yeah, and then it cuts, and then it like in the dream, it goes from a very out of focus image to an in focus image. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a it's a it's a little joke film. It's a little comedy film. Um, yeah, it's like a a guy. The, the dreaming of having a, a, a pretty wife and then he wakes up and his wife is mean to him <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah pretty pretty straightforward joke in that one um but it works yeah um it, it feels very a piece with George Albert Smith's just kind of whole goofy vibe um
0: yeah I, I dig this guy. He's he's a yeah, good guy. <laughs> I've
1: I've I've enjoyed most of his his films. Um,
0: Who, who's the Who's the British guy that we hate from last week? That was um, I think it was
1: Bamford. We were really yes. hating on Bamford.
0: Yeah. Uh, last week pro, I pro gas anti Bamford. Yeah,
1: I I think I only watched one Bamford film uh, from 1900, and it was pretty boring. Um, so not outright terrible, just not interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, George Albert Smith did some, I'm not really sure how kind of, uh, innovative they were, but they, they feel new and, and
0: significant. I don't his, know, man. His... I think that, I think that these grandma's reading glass and as seen through a telescope <laughs> are pretty innovative.
1: <laughs> they are pretty innovative. Um, I mean, we've had, I mean, George Albert Smith has done edits in his movies before. Yeah. But these feel much more deliberate and kind of, um, like they're building film language a bit
0: more. Absolutely. I mean, that's the thing. Is like, the reason why I was ragging on Joan of Arc a little bit is in in light of these other movies, which I think are using more complicated scene changes and more complicated camera angles. Mm -hmm. um, Where uh you know he, he Melies even calls his scenes tableaus because it's a series of tableaus that are stitched together you know mm-hmm. yeah um whereas George Albert Smith with um the Kiss in the Tunnel and with these movies he's using cuts to uh to show you more about something that is happening rather than show you a new thing that's happening yeah uh which is very important (laughs) yeah yeah very much so
1: um so yeah uh starting with grandma's reading glass uh i guess that's an an old woman in a in a room with a bunch of objects around her and her her grandson presumably comes in and takes her big magnifying glass and starts looking at different stuff and each time he looks at something we see a a blown up close-up of it yeah with a kind um, of
0: circular effect around it. Yeah,
1: with like a, a circular mat on it. Um which it's funny because it it you know, it's got a bunch of close ups of each of the you know, that's got a cage of birds and uh the grandma's spooky eyeball. <laughs> um <laughs> and it's funny how like just the mere kind of concept of a close up kind of feels like Like a trick or like an effect. Yeah, it feels it's it's, it's it's so weird. It's treated as such as like the novelty of being able to see a close up of like an eye or a bird.
0: Yeah, yeah. There's that's the thing is like this this whole movie, from a narrative perspective, is not so interesting because it's really just a justification to show a bunch of close-ups. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a framing device for, look at this thing really close, <laughs> and look at this thing really close, yeah. you know? Uh, but it's still showing, like, a really new technique. Um, it And it's technically pr- point of view, too, which is also fairly unique. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: uh, yeah, I don't think we've ever really... There hasn't really been a lot of, like, point of view shots in things. Yeah. This might be... These two might be the first. I don't really know if they are or not, but...
0: Yeah, it's uh, unclear. I feel like we've seen some stuff that, like, could debatably be considered point of view, but... Yeah. This is very Um, explicitly so.
1: The, as seen through through the telescope, I think, is using the close-up as sort of less of a novelty and a bit more of, like, a storytelling device. Yes. Um that one is a guy has a telescope out on the street and he looks <laughs> across the street at a lady's ankle. And then <laughs> so funny. And then the lady and the guy she's with come over and the guy slaps him because he was, he was sneaking a peek at her ankle through his telescope.
0: It's, I mean, it's a very, it's a really simple movie. Like as far as like joke movies, it's, it's a pretty simple joke, but the fact that it's using such complex cinematic language for the time is really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, cause you're literally seeing his point of view through the telescope. It's got that same circular mat on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he's, he's just like, Ooh, ooh gonna look at a <laughs> lady's ankles from a block away.
1: <laughs> very, and, very risque for 1900. I, I guess assume. so.
0: That's so, that's the best thing about it, honestly, is that <laughs> it's ankles, you know? <laughs> yeah.
1: Um.
0: <sighs> Yeah, that was.
1: There was another another one I watched from George Albert Smith was the Dull Razor, which I only sort of took note of because that's just a, a guy making funny faces while he's shaving in the mirror. But you can see, you can see George in in the corner of the mirror operating the camera. Which oh, it's kind of fun. Um, I
0: didn't see that one, but I'll have to check it out.
1: <laughs> uh, I also wanted to give while we're talking about George Albert Smith, I wanted to shout out uh, Laura Bailey who shows up in most of his movies, uh, they were married, and is kind of kind of an unsung hero a bit, or not hero, but is sort of an unsung filmmaker, like early filmmaker, because she was working with Gerald Albert Smith on a lot of these movies mm-hmm. and doesn't usually get very much credit, um, even though she was probably fairly creatively involved in them.
0: Hmm. Yeah, she was the she was played the dream wife in Let Me Dream Again. Yeah, she's uh, uh,
1: the the mom in, in Santa Claus. Um, she's one of the people kissing and kissing the tunnel.
0: <laughs> a real, um, um, uh, a real Tim Burton Johnny Depp situation.
1: <laughs> or I mean, more like a Tim Burton Helena Bottom Carter situation. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I, as far as I know, Tim Burton and Johnny Depp were never married, but. There's, there's still time. Um,
0: that's true. I suppose so. <laughs> uh, hmm. What? What next? Oh, I guess a note about Grandma's reading glass is that <laughs> this is the case with a few George Albert Smith movies that, like, there's this guy Arthur Melbourne Cooper who I actually haven't really looked into a whole bunch, but like his descendants have asserted that a lot of movies that are credited to George Albert Smith are actually Arthur Melbourne Cooper movies. Oh right, yeah. Um I don't really fully know what the deal with that is. And this Grandma's Reading Glass is like one where different groups have different opinions on yeah. uh, whose film it is.
1: From from what I've read about it, I I don't really buy into the 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 idea that they're not George Albert Smith. Like most of that seems to be based on somebody watched these and thought they recognized a family member in them mm. but it's like there is like physical documentation that George Albert Smith made at least similar movies to these right like at the same time with with other people and so I think it's a little bit from what I from what little I've read about it i'm I'm mm. in the George Albert Smith camp. I, I will defend from, him,
0: him vis-a-vis the Arthur Melbourne Cooper conspiracy. Yeah. <laughs> we say nay, <laughs> but
1: you know, who knows if I, if I read more on it, my, my opinions may change. Um, um, I guess, uh, I can, I can pivot from here to another film. Um, Laura Bailey and George Robert Smith were part of this kind of like loose association of filmmakers in England um called the brighton school which also included this other guy james williamson who is a scottish photographer and he made in 1900 he released attack on a china mission Mm -hmm. which is uh a sort of um like a contemporary dramatization of uh the boxer rebellion which was mentioned in, in the news segment yep um, and that one's pretty significant in its use of,
0: uh, edits also. Hmm. Wait, I didn't, I didn't make note of any kind of interesting edits in that well, one. Well,
1: I mean, it's, uh, it's sort of a single scene, I guess, uh, yeah. um, a bunch of boxers attacking, boxers being, uh, like, I don't know, how would you describe Boxers. <laughs> Uh, be- being more more well versed in Chinese history than I am,
0: kung, kung fu fighters. Everybody was <laughs> kung fu fighting.
1: Sure, we. I mean, if I'm not that.
0: mistaken, and I took a whole Chinese history class, so I ch- would be ashamed if I'm mistaken that they. It's called the Boxer Rebellion because the word they had for kung fu people was boxers. Um, oh, so it is really? kung fu people. Yeah. Oh,
1: I-, I thought that was some. I did not ever make the connection that. They're called boxers because they like they were boxing <laughs> I thought it was totally unrelated to that, and that I is, believe is very funny. that is the case <laughs> but that's like the the only English word they could come up with it's like i don't know the the fighting i guess the box is in it yeah <laughs> in it yeah, um that's very funny um so it's but it's a bunch of a bunch of of uh of kung fu fighters. Uh, using rifles and attacking this uh, this building, which is actually just uh, like a big house in in England, um, but um, it's supposed to be a a mission in China. Um, and then there's sort of a, a, a battle ensues. Um, but as far as I can tell, this might be the first um, like reverse shot, where we see something from one direction and then. The next shot is the same thing happening from the other direction. Hmm. Which maybe this is just such a like like, semantic thing that me as a film nerd, I'm like, whoa, Whoa, a reverse shot. That's crazy. And it's not actually that. That's legit. That that crazy. Um, (laughs) Apparently, uh, James Williamson was inspired by the Dreyfus Affair when he made this. He was like, oh, cool. I can do multiple shots in one sort of depicting different things and combine them all together
0: um oh yeah I see so the, the, I'm, I'm looking over over it right now and i see that's the thing that's the whole reason i'm i, I wanted to do this really is to notice these little things that mm-hmm. we take for granted when we're watching contemporary movies you know yeah but because we're so cinematic language is so just in our blood, mm. it's kind of hard to like notice these like very fundamental things sometimes. Uh, so I didn't even put this together, but yeah, there's like a scene where the soldiers are running toward the camera and then the next cut is them running like away from the camera, uh, like, uh, forward into the shot. If that's mm-hmm. what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, pretty neat, pretty neat.
1: Which any, anytime I like note something, it's like, this is the first time this has happened. I feel like at this point is a little bit like someone may have done that before this, but right. maybe is lost or so many
0: lost films. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, so this is, if not the first time, one of the first times that this sort of edit has happened.
0: Imagine if we did something simple and then like, because everything, every person who did it before us just disappeared then we would be credited forever as the first person who did that thing. Yeah.
1: I mean, if uh you know, if if every film was destroyed and only Jekyll and Hyde existed, it would be <laughs> very significant.
0: Your 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 film Jekyll and Hyde. Yeah. We
1: we can I feel like we should wait until we talk about a Jekyll and Hyde, a real Jekyll and Hyde maybe, and then we can we can get into that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Um I don't know how to pivot now. I guess we should talk about
0: well, another Brit, I would say. The Brits were doing a lot this year. Uh the, the, the Cecil Hepworth, oh uh, uh, yeah, did did two car related movies. Um one which is sort of a a kind of gimmick scary movie where uh <laughs> it's called How It Feels to Be Run Over. Uh <laughs> And it's it's a camera that's in a road, and then a a car just drives right up to the camera and looks like it's smashing right into the camera. Um, That's that's the main thing of it. But it is even even now watching it, it's a little like "Uh," you know.
1: (laughs) It's well, yeah. It gets it gets it looks like he just ran over the camera. Right. I, I don't think that's how they did it. Um.
0: Yeah, it does kind of pause, like, where, so, like, the frame is completely filled up with the grill of the car, uh, uh, at the very end for a couple seconds. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that car just does, like, zoom right up onto the camera. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I wonder if, uh, if this was kind of a response or inspired by the story of the the train arriving at La Station.
0: Right. Yeah, I wonder. I don't know if that was. I wonder if that was already in like the the, you know the the what you call it the urban legends of cinema already. Yeah,
1: I don't know if that was if that was in the in the zeitgeist yet. Um, If people were were aware of this most likely apocryphal story. And then Um, and
0: then in in the next in the chain, Friday the Thirteenth, (laughs) three D. Did the move of stabbing a machete at the camera inspired by this film?
1: <laughs> well, I know in a couple episodes we're going to get to another thing coming at the screen that's supposedly scared people. But oh, hmm. we'll, 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 we'll get to
0: that. I don't know I about that. But we'll see. Maybe I'll be scared. Maybe um, <laughs> the other car-based movie that he did is explosion of a motor car, um, which. I, I guess uh, may- maybe many people could consider it to be just a regular trick film. Um, no no more remarkable than any of Melies' uh, uh, more low-effort uh, pieces. He didn't have but, cars blown up in his, though. Well, here's the thing. Maybe it's just the mood I was in or something like this, but I laughed <laughs> the hardest at this one. Like, harder than anything <laughs> I have laughed at so far. Uh, this movie was so funny (laughs) 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 because okay so what it is is like there's a car the 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 cameras in the street you see a family in a car and they are it's like one of those old-timey cars that's like all open air like chitty chitty bang bang style um and So they're all riding in the car, and then the car just kind of spontaneously explodes with a substitution splice. There's a bunch of smoke, and then it's replaced with uh, a bunch of, like, metal parts on the ground, and the people are gone. And I thought for a second, like, oh, man, they, like, the people exploded, right? Then, uh, uh, because it's British, (laughs) because old-timey and British, a a bobby, you know, walks up. uh, A a copper. A copper with his bobby hat, and... He's like, oh my god, a car exploded and he like looks around and tries to see what's going on. And then he's like, Huh, wait a minute. And he pulls out a telescope and looks up in the air. <laughs> <laughs> and then he and then he's like, Oh my god and he like steps aside and then like body parts start raining down <laughs> from the sky. <laughs> and it's like such a good like it feels Looney Tunesy in sort of, like, the delay between the explosion and, like, the body parts just, like, falling down, like, 15 seconds later yeah. or something like
1: that. It feels like they should be accompanied by a, like, whistling, falling sound.
0: Right, right. Um, <laughs> and so I thought it was it was really well done. Like, super good, you know, uh, goofy comedy.
1: Yeah. Um, I can definitely pivot off of this one because another film from this year that used a bunch of severed body parts <laughs> is a uh, turn of the century surgery directed by Elise Guy Blachet. Um, Who at this is,
0: time, as you said, is, is just Elise Guy.
1: True. At, at the time it should be noted. She wasn't married yet and her name wasn't hyphenated. Um, but I guess she's more well known as Elise Guy Blachet. So I'm going to keep calling her that because it's also fun to say. Okay. um (laughs) but this much like explosion of Car is kind of weirdly morbid and gory not really gory (laughs) there's no blood or like viscera but there's just lots of like severed limbs being like cavalierly thrown around (laughs) um it's like a scene from a like a surgery wing and we see a guy brought in on a or like on a bed And his arm and leg are cut off, like, through substitution splices. We see, like, one of the surgeons bring out and kind of mime-sawing his leg. And then there's a cut, and they take, like, a fake leg away. Um, There's also, over the door, in the background, there's a sign in (laughs) English and French that says, Please do not cry, which I think (laughs) should be mandatory in every hospital. Um... No whiners is allowed <laughs> no. no was that uh i don't know if that was uh an in joke where there was like in turn of the century France they didn't want people to cry um
0: i I don't know i mean i I think like also like kind of modern surgery was something that was somewhat new at this time um
1: this is true,
0: yeah, uh things like you know anesthesia uh were only like just being invented if i remember correctly Mm -hmm. i went to some like i went to some surgery museum last year uh or like yeah it it was like a museum on the history of 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 surgery and uh it was astonishing to me how recently a lot of this stuff was developed like like surgical procedures and anesthesia and just like how horribly painful life people led not too long ago yeah
1: it, yeah, and I, I think it was, like, all around, like, early 20th century. mm mm-hmm. um, There's that show uh, that I didn't watch uh, with Clive Owen. It's all about that. But I hear here is very good, but I haven't watched it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, and then after the arm and leg get sawed off, they're just kind of thrown a bucket, and they grab a new set <laughs> a new arm and a leg, and kind of and glue those on.
0: <laughs> yeah, literally glue them. <laughs>
1: yeah, um, which is yeah. I mean, I I do think this is intended as a very kind of like tongue in cheek thing of like, hey, look at all this surgery we're doing now these days, but it's it's done in such a, it again is a very kind of like a Looney Tunesy vibe. Yeah. Um. There were some other uh significant all Guy Blochet movies. Um, I don't know. What, what other ones did you watch? I, I mean, think I we think watched most of the same ones. Um, um, there, well, there's her Serpentine Dance movie from 1900. Oh, my God. <laughs> which I initially didn't even watch because I was like, oh, another Serpentine Dance movie. But then you were like, no, 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 no. This one is different.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this one, I thankfully i i didn't overlook this one too because what how how absurd so the serpentine dances are just like everybody's gotta do one there's tons of serpentine dances dance movies they're all the same so we've decided we have we don't need to watch them anymore uh but then i guess in 1900. Elise least Guy says that she needs to step, step up the game. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and so she has a serpentine dance inside of a lion cage. <laughs>
1: yeah, with live lions that, for the majority of the film, are just getting riled up. <laughs> like, the movie's what, like, two or three minutes long?
0: Yeah, two and a half, something like that.
1: And I would say, like, two of those, like, a minute and a half to two minutes of that are just a guy... Riling up the lions.
0: <laughs> I think he might be, like, a kind of circus lion tamer kind of guy. He's, like, he's like whipping them and having them, like, uh, uh, jump around in a sort of coordinated fashion. Uh, but they are getting pretty riled. And then they bring the serpentine dancer in, and she just dances amongst the lions. Yeah. <laughs> How crazy. <laughs>
1: um, yeah, I, I didn't really know what the... I, I would really like to know what the, like, the behind-the-scenes story of this was, where, you know, I don't know, they were like, at least we need more, we need more Serpentine Dance movies. And she's like, only if I get to do it in a lion cage.
0: The, this era of film is very, just like, slapping things together, just like, sure, you know? Very much. <laughs> uh, like, um, what was it from last week or two weeks ago, uh, the guy who saws wood and plays trombone at the same time yeah uh it's just like why not <laughs>
1: <laughs> um yeah i feel like it's funny because i feel like uh a lot of movies from this time are are jokey and humorous and i feel like Melies is kind of doing stuff with like chairs disappearing and like slapsticky stuff and then um George Albert Smith is doing some a lot of kind of like funny faces and like uh you know, some like funny staging stuff. Elise Guy Blaché is just doing like weird shit. Alise <laughs> Guy Blaché is like is like the the Conan Conan O'Brien like nineties Conan O'Brien of of like nineteen hundreds uh movies. because um, this year she also released automated hat maker and sausage grinder. Which is just uh, like a a big machine. Like, someone walks up to a big machine, puts... I forget what they put into it. And Uh, then there's sort of two... It starts moving and, like, you know, making smoke and stuff. And there's two kind of ports on it. And out of one port, a bunch of hats come out. And on the other one, a bunch of sausages. (laughs) And I, I don't know... Where the idea from that came from, or what—I don't know what's going on there. But I I did, I did enjoy it. Um,
0: Uh, Yeah, kind of a throwback to the mechanical butcher, just like a a strange contraption that makes sausages.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I I feel like there are things that are like—I don't know, like 1900 or like turn of the century humor—that I feel like is just not landing. Like, were sausages just? (laughs) <laughs> a, a much bigger deal back then. I don't know. Um, maybe
0: it was some kind of technical marvel. Did they invent I guess sausages? So. Uh, um, probably they were already. Invented.
1: May- maybe it's because like sausages take a long time to make because you have to like pack the the stomach lining with all the weird weird stuff, and so or uh, hats certainly do. True. So the the novelty of a of a machine that makes both hats and sausages very quickly would be, would be very <laughs> exciting and humorous. Um, she also released two movies this year that I feel like are significant, even if they're like, they weren't intended to be, hmm. um, there's uh Pierrette's Escapades and At the Floral Ball. Did you watch mm. these?
0: Yes. Uh, yeah.
1: So I think Pierrette's Escapades is the first one. And as far as I can tell, again, this is like. That might have been done before and I just didn't see it. This might be the first the first gay smooch on film. But I don't know. Did they know. smooch? I didn't know. Oh they smooch. There's there oh. there's like there's a woman in a uh like a hotel room or just a room and then a female version of uh Pier- Pierrot, the like noted clown character shows up, and they dance. I'm trying to remember exactly what, like, the staging of it is. It's a it's a weird movie where, like, a a woman is dancing, and then a clown shows up, and then they dance. Well, she, like, in the smooch. beginning,
0: she, like, rebuffs a guy's advances also. Right. And um. then she,
1: I guess, she imagines this magical clown woman.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, and then they smooch. Which I don't think... Like we've had a couple smooching films. Right. Um and this isn't like a, the smooching genre, I wouldn't say. No.
0: It's it's more the kind of dancing around with colors genre.
1: Yeah. Um and then at the floral ball is also uh two women's dan- two two women's two two ladies dancing, um, and then they smooch at the end. And my notes for that are intentionally gay or just French? <laughs> <laughs> and that's kind of why I'm like, th- this, these might just be French. Like, I can't tell if they're, like, intended to kind of be homoerotic or not.
0: Right. Yeah, there was, I mean, some people who I feel like are dumb uh, credit uh, that William K. Dixon sound film with being the first gay oh, yeah. film or whatever. Which
1: is... <laughs> I, I can tell you right now that was not intentional. No, yeah, and it's, it's also it like two men dancing with each yeah, other. Yeah, um, I don't buy that at all. Um, I did look up like what, like what the first same-sex kiss was on film, and I, I, couldn't find any mention of these movies anywhere. But I also couldn't find any mention of anything earlier. So hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and just assume that
0: going to go ahead and edit that wikipedia page yeah
1: or that um (laughs) that these are are breaking some new ground
0: yeah okay um do you want to move on sure um
1: i don't know there was some um some edison movies i guess yeah
0: now now we're getting into our misc section
1: (laughs) yeah um, I don't know, I have, Edwin S. Porter is making a lot of movies for Edison's company, and, and some of these are, are significant, or at least fun.
0: Yeah, um, he's the director of Uncle Josh, the Uncle Josh movies, right? <laughs> the, the
1: the famous Uncle Josh series of films.
0: <laughs> so, uh, Uncle Josh, apparently the first kind of s- uh, film character who has his own, like, franchise, the, the, right, really, because... the origin of Marvel and <laughs> <laughs> of Marvel's Avengers. It's funny.
1: It's funny you use that comparison because m- my mind immediately went to like um, to Ernest. Me Uncle too. Josh seems <laughs> like more of like an Ernest character. Um, the only
0: Ernest movie I've seen is is Ernest Scared Stupid, and these movies are basically Uncle Josh Scared Stupid. Right. They're both. Um,
1: um,
0: but that is yeah. It's it's a couple of it's a couple. Oh, yeah, go on.
1: I, I was going to say, I hadn't actually thought of that. This might be the first, like, original character to appear in multiple films that isn't... Yeah. Like, you know, we've had, you know, Santa Claus in multiple films or, like, historical uh, historical figures or, like, famous literary characters. I don't think we've ever had a, like, original film character like Uncle Josh before. Yeah,
0: and he's, like, named, too. I feel like a lot of these yeah characters that are in the thing they're just like the alchemist or something like that they're they're not right. uncle josh you know yeah. marketing <laughs> uh
1: um yeah so the the first one is uncle josh's nightmare which is um you know it's another nightmare movie which is like someone goes to sleep and a bunch of crazy things happen
0: yeah um, and then uncle josh in a spooky hotel where <laughs> which is a great great title. <laughs> where where there's, like, him, Uncle Josh, and some other man just sitting next to each other, and a ghost is playing pranks on them by, like, tapping on their shoulders and then disappearing and making them think <laughs> that it's the other person. Uh, and then the, the hijinks ensue. It is,
1: uh, it's a big improvement on the first Uncle Josh movie, I do think.
0: Right. The Uncle um, Josh series is just only getting better.
1: Yeah. And there is... There is a third Uncle Josh movie, but it doesn't come out, I think, until nineteen oh two or nineteen oh three. So, um we'll have to wait till then to finish out the trilogy. Uh <laughs> maybe the first trilogy of films. Um maybe. Uh yeah, for Uncle Josh's Nightmare feels kind of like Amelia's knockoff a bit. Whereas yeah. Uncle Josh and the Spooky Hotel is really really comes into its own, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Um, um yeah, there were a couple of like Edwin S. Porter did a couple kind of um uh kind of melies esque movies this year. Um but I felt like they they all really kind of paled in comparison to to the stuff that Melies is making at the same time.
0: Oh of course, yeah. As usual, he's just miles ahead of everyone else. Yeah. Uh or Melies ahead. Um, uh-huh. Uh, uh,
1: uh. <laughs> um. Yeah, I mean, there's a... I got a couple other movies written down that are pretty significant.
0: Yeah, I mean, speaking of advances, um, we've got Serrano de Bergerac. Sure.
1: <laughs> what language is that? What accent can I read? In? I believe...
0: I mean, I think it's French.
1: Serrano de Bergerac. Uh.
0: So this is a recorded scene from a play. Uh so it's not really super intentionally staged. Um but it but, is big but big but this 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 film would be d- beloved by Sir Mix a lot. Uh <laughs> it it is the first movie with color and synchronized sound. So like th- we had um or well sort of synchronized sound. We had we had uh and sort of color. <laughs> uh we had the William K Dixon sound experiment. My my band name copyright me <laughs> and uh it it had um uh William K Dixon himself playing violin into a horn and recording it onto a wax cylinder and it syncs up with the movie even though we didn't know that there was uh we didn't have the audio until like 30 years ago um mm-hmm. but this movie uh has recorded dialogue that is meant to be played off a wax cylinder along with the scene it's yeah. incredible
1: <laughs> i until you brought this up to me today i didn't know that this movie existed and it's it's wild how ahead of its time it is
0: yeah yeah, it's, like, literally a scene. It's, like, a duel scene from some, like, a, a fencing duel scene from yeah. some play. Um, well, the
1: the play being Serenote de Bergerac. Yeah. Um, um. It is very French. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, like, it's very significant in that, you know, they've recorded sound at the same time as filming stuff before. But I don't think it was ever intended to be, like, exhibited as a single thing. Whereas right. this was.
0: Yeah. Um and it's, I mean I don't think the William K Dixon thing was even intended to be exhibited probably. No.
1: Yeah. Um and it's dialogue. Like we yeah. haven't had anything even approaching dialogue yet, even in title like intertitles or anything. Um I okay, we've there's been like written words on screen but not really like conversation. Right. Um
0: yeah, and there's been kind of like mock conversation of people just going ba 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 ba, you know. Yeah. But yeah. But so this is this recorded is dialogue. Crazy. Yeah. Um, you don't. I wouldn't have thought that I would have seen that until the late 20s, like honestly.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um and then yeah, that it's it's hand colored much like all the other sort of color films that um we've seen up, up to this point, but both those things combined definitely make it feel much much more uh technologically advanced.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um which is pretty cool. Um there's uh the enchanted drawing.
0: Yeah. Which I guess you're not a big fan of, but I like I it. I don't
1: know. A lot. I I was like It's just kind of more vaudeville style goofiness. Um, well,
0: right, except that I think the novel thing here is that it's using, you know, jump cuts uh, and, and and such to do some trickery. Um, but uh, it is using, it is doing that, those jump cuts and trickery with a drawn image on a piece of paper. Um, and so this could really be considered the first animated movie in in some respects
1: well semi Um, it's it's more of a more of a space jam situation right um or like roger rabbit i should say um
0: i I know this director j stewart blackton he did a lot of innovation in animation in early animation Mm -hmm. and so uh, uh i feel like the animation community often considers this to be the first animated movie in a way um but, yeah, it is a Space Jam sort of situation. I,
1: I don't really think of this as, like, proper animation, though. Because it is just... It's live action of a guy kind of interacting with a drawing that keeps changing. Sort of right. Kind of depending on how he's interacting with it. Yeah. it's um, Which is not that far off from some of the stuff that Melies has done.
0: That's true. Uh, Melies even did, like, a similar movie... Um, Well, he's done similar stuff where you draw something and then it like becomes real, which Mm -hmm. is one of the gags in this is that he actually the the kind of main back and forth gag is that um, he is like drawing like a glass of wine and and a cigar or something on the piece of paper along with this guy that he draws on the piece of paper and then he like yanks them out of the paper uh, and then starts smoking the cigar and drinking the wine himself. Yeah. And then the guy gets mad that he took <laughs> his drawing world stuff away from him, and so he he makes the guy happier by drawing him, you know, a, another cigar and a top hat. Um, yeah, <laughs> and then he's the, pleased. Um, the
1: The facial expressions on the drawing guy, like, are are very funny.
0: They're very good. Yeah, yeah,
1: um, yeah. It's like he'll, he'll he draws a cigar in his mouth. And then pulls the cigar, sort of out of the drawing, and so then the the big face on the paper gets gets angry, and so he you know gives him back a cigar, and suddenly he's got this like almost crazed look of <laughs> of excitement at, ha- at having his cigar back. Um, <laughs> it's it's quite quite amusing.
0: Yeah, some wild cartoony faces in yeah. this.
1: I did I did chuckle
0: at it. Yeah. It's worth it, was, a it was
1: it was worth a chuckle um hmm. there's also uh technically the first sherlock Holmes movie was released in 1900. right but it's it's a little bit it's a little that claim is a little bit dubious because the name of the movie is sherlock Holmes baffled and it's just about a detective who comes into a room. Uh, and there's a burglar who is teleporting around and confusing the detective. Um, there's really nothing other than the title to tie it to the Sherlock Holmes character. Um, Mm -hmm. it's really just kind of a shorthand to be like, look at this detective who should be smart. He's baffled by this teleporting man.
0: Um... It's funny though. He spend he doesn't spend a lot of time being baffled because he walks in on this robber or whatever. He disappears and then he's like, "Hmm, weird." And then he yeah. sits down.
1: He he, then... he does give up pretty quick. He's like, oh, that, was, that was weird." Um, <laughs> this is uh, was apparently made specifically for mutoscopes, which are the kind of standing. Um, that's like, right. Yeah, like uh, standing. Box that you the standing, look into, the,
0: yeah. The, without film, just a series of picture cards, and you just crank it to just watch watch a repeating, uh, yeah, flipbook style animation.
1: Um, so this is credited as the first Sherlock Holmes movie, but it's it's kind of
0: on a technicality more than anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, no, no, Robert Downey Jr. This no,
1: <laughs> no, no, um. Cumberbatch here. <laughs> <laughs> um. I don't know, they're, they're, that's pretty much it in terms of the stuff that feels really, like, notable or significant to me, anyway.
0: Yeah. Oh, one thing that I forgot that I wanted to mention uh, is that in um, the Turn of the Century Surgery, and also, uh, I think, the magic book from Melies, mm. um this is just like a side note, is that um, there is bilingual text in these uh, hmm. uh there there's french and english text um i guess because they have an eye on international distribution you know right
1: it's like it's like adding a scene set in china in movies now
0: yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> adding adding some text written in american yeah. in in 1900 um, um or that more is, British, yeah i maybe.
1: hadn't i hadn't really picked up on that um but i'm sure that is why they were doing that they were like we gotta we gotta appeal to the the English speaking audience,
0: yeah well you know i I think something that's sort of happening here is that uh the storytelling was just kind of all visual before, and so there wasn't really need for any text, and people are starting to do gag films and uh and more complex just storytelling films that are they're they're just getting more intricate and sometimes you know text is needed for that and we're starting to see that kind of thing um but they're considering that uh this format this silent film format that should be sort of international uh uh, there's something about silent film that is quite international because there isn't spoken dialogue but for written dialogue they they had it um bilingual french english canadian Hmm. style
1: (laughs) uh so everyone can know that there is no crying allowed the hospital. Huh. Uh, did you have a, a favorite film
0: from 1900? Oh, I forgot we were doing that. Um, yeah, you know, I loved, uh, I loved the exploding car one. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean that. that uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be boring and just say Joan of Arc. I think that was probably the one mm-hmm. I enjoyed the most. Um, even though that's like, you know the The popular opinion, choice—it's mm-hmm. very unoriginal of me. Um, Boring. <laughs> yeah, the exploding car one was was also quite good.
0: Yeah, uh, Joan of Arc very ambitious, definitely too. Yeah. Well, I guess that wraps it up.
1: I guess so. Um
0: the the beginning of the 20th century. Yeah. From from we we go from Joan of Arc all the way to the Matrix. In this, uh, in this century, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pretty, pretty wild.
1: <laughs> it did. I was thinking we can get this out. I I was thinking about if we make it to 100 episodes, we'll be in 1995, mm-hmm. and we can talk about Batman Forever.
0: You you have literally said that oh, in I an have. episode before. Damn and it. I think I might have left it in.
1: <laughs> well. It, it it amuses me enough that I guess I keep thinking of it.
0: <laughs> you you are really antsy for Batman Forever.
1: <laughs> that's just the funniest movie I can think of from nineteen
0: ninety-five. We will definitely do that. Uh, I <laughs> I've never seen it before, so Oh. Uh, cool. Maybe clips on TV. Anyway. Uh so yeah, I guess that's it. Um, we have Oh my god, I forgot to mention this at the top of the show again. We have a YouTube page where you can watch all of the. Uh, <laughs> we have a YouTube page where we have playlists with the entire um, films discussed, uh, including. Uh, uh, I, I just edited the episode from two weeks ago, and we talked about a night to dismember the '80s movie, and I put that on the list too. Cause why not? <laughs> um, but yeah, we have we have ent- we have playlists that have the entire. A uh, uh, slate of movies that we talk about in the podcast, so you can watch along with us. Um, and we have a Twitter uh, and a uh, and and all that kind of jazz, which will be linked in the show notes. And the show notes will link to the playlist, and it will link to all of the movies individually if you wanted to check those out. Uh, a lot of hypertext going on here. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, I guess that's about it. Uh, Glenn, I'll see you in 1901. Great. Right.
2: bye <laughs> that's all folks I am Gina man call she and me at one 909 2233 get your parents from